0: Hey guys, welcome to the Metaphobia podcast. Today on the podcast, I had Samira on. Um, she lives in California. She has emetophobia, obviously. <laughs> and uh, we go over a ton of topics, uh, including therapy, um, her supportive family, her wins and losses in emetophobia, how it affects her. Um, we just go down a bunch of rabbit holes. Um, this was a really good episode because it was more just like, we just talked about a ton of topics and just went over a ton of stuff. So it's a very good value packed episode. Um, If you like it, please go down and uh, give me a review. That'd be really great. And let's get into the episode. Can you hear me?
1: Yeah. Can you hear Sweet. me?
0: Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Just having good. some tea, watching some YouTube.
1: Yeah. I've got some water. I decided that was a good choice after yeah. uh, work day. I always all day. got
0: some too. Yeah, for sure. No, water's always the best choice. We <laughs> mm-hmm. do. Um, so I just want to really quick, how do you pronounce your name again? I just want to make sure. Samira. Samira okay cool just for when I do the opening and everything for this podcast I'll make sure I get the right name so yeah cool but we are recording so the podcast has started Um, if you want to get right into it let's just uh, we can hear your emetophobia story kind of how it all started for you and uh, just anything you want to talk about
1: okay Um, yeah I mean uh, I mean as a child I remember um, multiple times like getting sick and not really having an issue with it. Like, it wasn't fun, but it was just, you know, I remember being on the couch and having the bowl, you know, and uh, the crackers and the 7-Up, and it was just like, it is what it is. This just happens. Um, The first incident that I remember uh, was when I went to a party with my friends, well, a couple friends, and at the party, there was all different types of liquor, And I had had beer and alcohol with my friends prior to that, but it was never enough to really get me drunk. And this particular night I decided to, um, and and mind you, I wasn't really in my element either. It was, they weren't like my people, you know, they were like my friends, people. So I was drinking wine and liquor and beer and all the things. And then someone was like, Hey, do you want to smoke some pot at 17? I was like, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. So I did that. And then my friend asked me if I wanted to jump on the trampoline. Uh, This was probably where things went wrong. (laughs) Um, I just remember feeling um, hot, cold, hot, cold, trapped. I didn't have a ride. I was stuck in this house. I didn't know anybody. Um, There were people sitting in the hallway by the bathroom, um, and what I knew I was going to get sick, but I didn't know when. And I think it was that where this is where it started is because I felt like I, I couldn't escape my own reality. You know, mm-hmm. I was trapped inside of a body that I didn't want to claim. And um, there's no, um, there's no worse feeling for me on earth than wanting to escape who I am at that moment. And I just remember like walking by the bathroom or crawling by the bathroom and thinking like, Oh God, am I going to get sick in here? Should I go outside and get sick? And and no place that I could have gone was the right place because I didn't want it to happen. Um, and so I decided to sit on the couch and then it was like the spins and all the things. And then it was just like, my body just told me like, go outside. So I ran out the front door and then it happened in front of everybody there for a bunch of people. And so not only was I dealing with this, um, feeling out of control, trapped, um, alone, stuck in my own reality, um, not feeling well, uh, but then to be like humiliated also, like this embarrassment. And um, I think that's where it started, honestly. That's the first time I remember. Um, And then there was another time, not long, it was around the same, same age where I had taken some gas station, mini thins is what they called them, little uppers, you know, mm-hmm. and we we're all just having a good time smoking cigarettes and all that. And then we had, I rode in the back of my friend's truck with a camper shell to this concert in a park. And on the way back, uh, I just immediately felt sick cause I'd eaten anything. And, um, I was pounding on the window and they stopped the car, but I felt trapped again. So I had these mm-hmm. two incidences where I really just felt like completely trapped where I was at. And couldn't escape so I mean that's that's kind of my story and then um you know ever since then every single time I don't feel good it's I mean these are my these are my thoughts you know yeah. I replay that in my head I mean I was just telling someone the other day like still to this day if I drive by that spot on the freeway coming home from that concert I still think about that time every single time yeah. Every single time I see a toilet, every single time I see, uh, you know, anything that relates to that, that is like a trigger. I mean, it doesn't make me sick or make me feel ill every time I think about it, but it's definitely like a thought. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, it's crazy too. Cause like you go through these like really good days where you're not even thinking about it. And then all of a sudden one little thing sets it off. And then it's just this never ending snowball effect of like, all right, now I'm completely thinking about it like all day. I can't stop thinking about it now. And it's just from stupid little things like that. I'd do the same thing where there's a couple of bars in town I've been to playing pool. And people have gotten sick there, or even like just people got real uneasy around me and I didn't really like it. And now every time I pass that bar, I can like remember the the memory so vividly of that day where that happened. So I, I totally get what you're saying about that. It's I think a lot of us have that problem too with just the the trauma of one little spot in the world where something really bad happened and we just can't get it out of our heads. So mm-hmm.
1: yeah. And how, and were, like, how
0: old were you when that all started?
1: I wanna say I was like 16 or 17. Okay. Like closer to 16, I would say. Um, I mean, there's lots of scenarios where, uh, like, as I get older, it gets worse for me because mm-hmm. the law lo- I know how to prevent, like, I'm, I'm, it's become such a disorder that I know how to avoid it, you know, completely. However, the longer time goes on and the more I'm not exposed to any situation that I put that I've been put in, the more anxiety I have about the incident. You know, so, I mean, some people get sick all the time. They get sick a couple times a year or they eat something wrong or they get food poisoning or, I mean, anxiety just thinking about it. But um, I've managed to avoid it for um, 20 years,
0: Yeah,
1: which is, like, really, like – like knock on wood, because I'm su- <laughs> I'm almost like superstitious about it at this point. Yeah. I never say that out loud because I don't want to jinx myself. But um, I, you know, I'll do anything to avoid it. And I don't like if I think about an incident, I don't feel ill. Like I I can keep myself from getting to the point where it becomes like a snowball thing. But um, like for instance, if I'm watching like Jackass or um, ridiculousness I love those shows I think they're funny but (laughs) I am really like closely watching to make sure it's not going to be one of those clips I've been surprised before and it ruins my day yeah there's one in particular that um, I can think of that haunts me literally haunts me is this clip on I believe it was ridiculousness where they're in a small like little four-seater airplane and somebody was in the back seat, they got sick. And it was just like, mm. it was awful. It was like absolute worst case scenario for me. Um, I don't, can't imagine a, worst th- a worse thing to happen uh, other than being in like a vehicle or a plane or um, a small space with someone who gets sick. I think that would be worse. Uh, actually, I don't know if that would be worse. Both things, because if they did, I would. And then it would just be, you know, yeah. it would be over.
0: Have you had big problems with traveling? Like, have you been on any trips or anything when planes or boats anything?
1: I don't, I won't even get close to a boat. You couldn't mm-hmm. pay me. Uh, like I've, I've gone with boyfriends and, and whatnot that have been like, Oh, let's go to the coast and I want to go ocean fishing. And I'm like, well, I'll see you in like four hours. Yeah. And honestly, like so many of my friends and families <laughs> love the ocean. And to me, it just, it's not really my thing because the sound of the waves kind of nauseates me the smell of the fishy ocean isn't doesn't do me any favors and the thought of being on a boat trapped in the middle of sea uh, there's no way yeah so i'm definitely like i'm the driver like i like going places and i the older i get the the less i like going far away from home sure you know within a couple hours i feel good but on a long road trip i'm the further away I get, the more anxious I get. So I have to have like my kit, you know, yeah. all the things just in case.
0: I, uh, I got a free boat from my girlfriend's grandparents. It's a little 14 foot aluminum boat and they live on a, mm-hmm. a little lake themselves. And then we live on like a big lake, Lake Michigan out here. And, uh, for me, I have to like double down on my fears. Cause I'm also, I, I drowned when I was a kid, like my, I fell off my grandpa's boat and luckily I had a life jacket on, but for some reason I slid through the life jacket and fell into the water and he had to kind of like pull me back out. And I remember touching the seaweed in the bottom of the lake yeah. and it just like wrapped around my feet and it felt like there was like things grabbing me. And so now like, I'm just traumatized by that. So whenever I can't go swimming in lakes, I don't like anything where I can't see the bottom uh, but luckily here, the water is very clear. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a blessing and a curse because then you can see the bottom and you see how far down it is. And like, you see like, mm-hmm. there's just nothing down there. And so I think getting on the boat and going fishing a lot more has really helped me with those fears. But still, I'll be getting, I'll like not think about it for a while. And then I'll get out in the middle of a lake somewhere and then I'll look around and I'm like, holy shit, like I'm way the hell out here right now. It's kind of scary. And then I have to really mm-hmm. keep myself focused on just fishing and having a good time. Cause like, if I don't, I'll start freaking out a little bit and then I get nauseous. And then it's just this kind of like snowball effect where I just, I can't get out of it. And then I have to like go back. And there's sometimes too, where it'll be cold or like windy. And then when I start shivering for some reason, I like, you know how you like tense up a lot when you shiver, that makes me feel more nauseous. So then it's like this, it, it just, it gets bad sometimes, but over the years it's gotten better. It's just been, uh, it's been a process for sure. So
1: Um, So there's this, I, there's this thing that happens to me um, when I go through my panic attacks and it's kind of like this, uh, it has to go full circle. So right when I get it, I get the hot flash, right? Like the, oh shit, I ate too much feeling like, even if it's not too much, um, it's just kind of that same sensation Mm -hmm. of, oh God. And then the panic sets in and then I'm like immediately go to my kit or my peppermint or, you know, my heating pad or my Zofran or, you know, whatever it is that, <clears throat> that I can find in that moment. Um, and then I, and I, now I know I go to an app I have on my phone that has like hundreds of guided meditations and I tend to just like go straight to that. And as soon as I start to like calm down and then the gas, so that's another huge factor of my panic and my, not my, emetophobia, as soon as I have a panic attack, I get the knot in my stomach, the gassy Mm -hmm. feeling. It's typically not gas from the rear. It's just like a burping gas. Yeah. I don't know why this happens to me or to us, but um, it literally just feels like you just ate so much food and your body won't let you release it. Like Mm -hmm. it won't let you release the gas. And I'm like, what is it about the anxiety that keeps that gas bubble in? So by doing the meditation um, I'm hot, right, from the panic attack um, and nauseous. So I'm trying not to play those like, because when I'm nauseous, I'm like thinking of all the times I've thrown up every yep. single toilet I've thrown up in every single what I ate before I got sick. Like, am I safe? Did I not eat anything like saucy or like getting a, having this happen after eating spaghetti or like something like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> anyway okay so after doing the meditations I will start to like I can almost feel my body start to get into this like sense of relaxation and I have to sit upright in a certain very certain position and then I'll feel like I can release it so I'll, I'll, I'll burp and then as soon as I burp I feel like a thousand times better mm-hmm. however it creeps back up so it's not like a one and done like I'll burp And then I'll, it'll kind of like go back to that feeling a little bit. And then I'll keep meditating, keep meditating, keep breathing. And then it'll happen again. And it can, it starts to just get better and better. Now, like if I get cold and I start to, I'll start to shiver and my teeth, like I'll let my teeth chatter and I'll get this like, this cold sensation. And um, for me, if I let, I call it shaking the anxiety out. If I just let my body like shake and I, and I let myself chatter like that, it ends up kind of helping me. But I can imagine like being on a boat and doing that probably doesn't feel good. Um, But yeah, and then it usually subsides after that. And if I fall asleep during, like if I have an attack and I do a guided meditation and I feel sick and all that, and I I do like a deep, um, deep sleep guided meditation, it'll just kind of put me into a little nap and I'll wake up 10, 15 minutes later and I'll feel totally rejuvenated. Hell yeah. So I don't know if that's something that works for you, but um, definitely
0: I, I'm not going to lie. I have been trying to meditate, but for me, meditation just doesn't work like it does for other people. I've really been trying to be on like the whole meditation game and stuff. And I've been really trying to do it, but I just like, I've actually learned, this is what helps me more is to just keep my eyes open. And I learned this from TikTok, believe it or not. And this guy was basically explaining how to feel more in the moment. And he said, just stare at one thing and don't stop staring at it for like a straight minute. Just stare at it as hard as you possibly can. Doesn't matter what you think about. You can blink as long as you keep staring at one thing. And he said, after you're done, then look around and feel about how different the world feels around you. You're almost like more in it, like you're more aware and more like vigilant. And so I've been doing that a lot lately don't do it while you're driving, obviously. <laughs> but uh, um, when I get to a job or something, I'll sit there for a minute. And when I don't, he said, it's, it, it helps you do things you don't want to do, because then you're more aware of the situation. So when I get to a job, that I don't want to go into, I'll just sit there and stare at like a snow hill for a minute straight. And for some reason, that really does open your mind up. And it's like, all right, I'm ready for this. Like, let's do this shit. And for some reason, it just really does help me. So that's my little form of meditation. I also want to touch on that anxiety thing. Um, anxiety attacks I've heard only last for 10 minutes. That's what I. That's what I've heard from some sort of medical videos I was watching. And, uh, so if you can get through 10 minutes of the anxiety attack, that's when it starts to come down because you go into fight or flight and that fight or flight can only last so long before your body's like, all right, we're good. Like we're definitely not dying we're okay. And, uh, so yeah, 10 minutes is really kind of where if uh, if I can make it 10 minutes into a panic attack, I'm like, all right, I'm going to be good very soon. And usually that's what happens. And you'll kind of, you can time a panic attack and see how long it takes you to actually come down. And you'll see, it's like usually around seven minutes or so it's like when it kind of stops. And, but very interesting stuff. Um, let's talk about some of metaphobia wins. Have you done anything lately that's like a super win in your emetophobia?
1: Um, yeah, I know we kind of touched on this the other day um, when I talked to you, uh, but the other day or last weekend, I took my son's, or my family took went snowboarding, and I took my son up there for the first time. Now, I haven't been snowboarding since I was 25, so 15 years ago. Yeah. And He was in his lesson and there was this point in the lesson where uh they wanted to take him on the chairlift so it was no longer like the bunny hill you know he was graduating to the next level and um i uh i knew that it was i had been staying next to him the entire time to just kind of watch his lesson and keep making feel comfortable but i knew i was going to participate when it came that time So when they started talking about going on the chairlift, I was excited, but then I realized like, oh, I'm going to be trapped on the chairlift. Like I'm, I won't be able to escape if, if Mm. I have a panic attack. Now, if I have a panic attack, I know I'm going to get nauseous. And if I get nauseous, I know I'm going to have a panic attack. Those are two constants. There's no way around it. So I kept looking at the chairlift and then I started of course, like overthinking and looking at the way the cable was like kind of bouncing and like swaying, and, and sometimes they stop it because somebody will fall off the chairlet or you know off the end of it when they when they release and They have to stop and make sure everyone's safe before they keep going. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you're just like bouncing and like hanging there over the trees. Um, but my son is so important to me. He didn't actually he didn't end up going on it, but I wanted to show him that it was okay and everything was going to be fine. And I knew that going on the chairlift and doing the snowboarding, going down the hill um, was going to be something that would help me because I would realize, hey, this is going to like make me realize it's not that bad. Like I said, the longer it goes in between the fear, the worse it gets. So I faced it and the closer and closer I got to the chair scooping me up, I started to feel that like, that mouth like dry mouth like uh like just nervous like oh god I don't I don't want to do something that I can't take back Mm -hmm. you know and that's my whole thing if I can't take it back I don't want to do it if I eat it I can't take it back you know Mm -hmm. same kind of thing um so anyway I got on scooped me up and we we rode up and uh for the first couple you know like passes through like, you know, the posts that you go through, I I was feeling a little anxious, but I just immediately um, went for a pressure point that I'm pretty constant with. And it's the one right here between your thumb and your pointer finger. Um, I do the wrist one also, but this one just seems to help because it's easier to get to. And you can definitely feel like where the spot is because it kind of doesn't hurt, but it feels weird. Um, So I immediately did that. And I just started like, I looked around and realized like, okay, what should I focus on? Should I focus on the trees? Should I focus on the ground? Should I focus on, you know, the armrest next to me? Like, what is it that's going to keep me from feeling nauseous? And I quickly realized that just kind of like focusing on what was like right around me was going to be the best. And um, it was like five to seven minutes. And once it stopped, you know, once I got used to it, it was fine. And then I got off and, and it was great. And I realized, okay, it wasn't that bad. Now I don't have to think about it anymore. So I would say that's a pretty big win for me.
0: I want to touch on that for a quick second, because you, you started the the um, story with you were scared and nervous and you felt like you were going to get sick and nauseous if you got on the chairlift. Then you got mm-hmm. on the chairlift. Everything was OK. You realized that it was all right. Then you got off and everything was fine. I think that's the biggest problem with metaphobia is a lot of it has to do with the mindset. So it has mm-hmm. to do with setting yourself up for failure almost to say, like, well, if I get in that car, I'm going to be trapped and then I'm going to feel sick and then I'm not going to enjoy it. And now you've already set yourself up. And now you already know what kind of emotions you are going to feel when you get in that car versus if you went into it saying, you know, I'm going to be fine. This is a normal car ride. I do this all the time. Every time I get in, I know it's going to be okay. And everything's going to be fine. It's just those simple little changes of the mindset that has helped me over the years to really get me into those comfort zones to be like, all right, riding in cars is no big deal anymore. And at this point, Mm -hmm. like I can pretty much ride with anybody without having any sort of like repercussions. I do get a little bit nervous at first, but I instantly squash that and say, you know what? Like I'm getting nervous over nothing. I can't control the situation. I need to just be okay with this and move on and know that everything's going to be okay. And it's just, it's tough and it's hard. And it's not like the easiest thing I've ever had to do, but it definitely does work. If you can change that mindset, it's a big Mm -hmm. one.
1: Well, so like for you, what would, what if somebody ate something similar to the thing that triggered your first attack and then you guys went on a car ride?
0: (laughs) You know, that's a very good question. I don't think I've ever had that happen before. So, um, trying to think if i've ever so yeah there was a time i think when we were i was down in chicago on a little skateboarding trip with my ex-girlfriend and we were sleeping in our car and i remember this like big rowdy group we were in like the um mexican side of town so like it was like walmisia and like it was very like you know mexican centric and um there was this like a uh, group of people and i didn't know what they were saying but they really were like just kind of sketching me out with the way they were acting. Um, I didn't have to ride in a car with them, but they were right next to us while we were like sleeping in this parking lot. And I remember one of those guys got sick and he was like, they were all really drunk and just like fucked up. And I just remember looking out the little window and just seeing him do that. And I just laid right back down, like, oh my fucking God. But I did. I sat there. I had like a small panic attack for like three minutes or so. And then right after that, I kind of just like cuddled up to my ex and I was like, hey, like I'm having a panic attack. And I just, kind of calm myself down with this situation because I was just like I am not having a good time and I just I need to tell you but I think that was the the difference is I didn't just hold it in and deal with it and like just try to like deal with it myself I just brought it up because I've noticed that um, with Jordan Peterson I always bring this up on the podcast about his dragon story where if you let the dragon keep taking over your life and getting bigger and bigger and bigger, it's going to stand up and walk away with your house. And now you've got nothing. You can't do anything about it. Yeah. But if you, if you confront the dragon head on and say, I know you're a dragon, I know what you're here for. I know what you're doing. Then it becomes not so much of a, a force in your life anymore. So that's kind of what I've tried to do with metaphobia. So the answer to your question is if I were to get in a car with somebody who is sick, who just ate a bunch of chili or something, and who is not having a good time, um, <laughs> I would probably, try to confront the situation and ask, are you going to be okay? Do you feel all right? And you would yes, have to did. ask
1: him to get an Uber.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe I would, I'd get myself an Uber at that point. I'd be like, sorry, man, you're going to have to take yourself home. Um, but yeah, I think in, the, in those cases, like, yeah, obviously you're going to have to do something about it. You can't just let it go. But um, I think just uh, disclosure, just being like, Hey man, I have a metaphobia. If you start to get feel sick, please let me know. Cause I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page here. And I just, yeah. I want to know what's going on. Cause I'm very controlling of situations, but yeah, you know,
1: You know, what's so weird about this thing is like, I've known about emetophobia for a really long time. Like I've researched, I didn't research it, but I've looked it up and I've known what it's called. Um, all of my self-soothing things that I do are all things that I gradually and slowly collected on my own. These aren't Mm -hmm. things that I looked up and went, Oh, these people do A, B, and C, and this helps them like the peppermint that's totally learned on my own. Like, I just knew, oh, peppermint soothes my stomach. I mean, you know, the type of gum that I eat. I'm very particular about the kind of gum. Mm-hmm. It's specific. There's, um, you know, all, like you said, your kit, you know, all the little things that I do. And when I'm reading, going through your page and, like, reading all the stuff that people do to, like, soothe themselves, it's really crazy how similar everyone with this disorder or phobia is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, down to like the little details. I, I, one of the first things I saw on your page was this, this meme of uh, um, like, there's like a dragon and it was like my, you know, metaphobia, and then me and then one single peppermint. It's just like, it's so comical at this point. It's like, really, is this my life really revolve around a drop of doTERRA peppermint oil? Like, is this really what's controlling my entire life? Yeah. And it is, um, but it's funny how like just collectively down to the details, how everybody that has this does the same stuff mm-hmm. and they've all figured it out on their own. And, and I don't know how long it's taken people to figure these things out for me. It's, I've been dealing with this for over 20 years and um, I'm just now figuring out how to like really, you know, deal with it on a da- well, not daily basis, but pretty, pretty yeah. regularly.
0: And none of us know each other. That's the thing. Uh Like, it's not like we're all in a group talking about this being like, what do you use? What do you use? What do you use? And it's like, yeah, we do just pick it up randomly where I don't know where mints came from. No idea. I, I it started with gum though for me too. And I, I used to chew orbit gum, but the green packs, I don't know what oh, yeah. what flavor that was at the time, but See, I
1: can't, it's winter green. I can't do that because it reminds yeah. me of chewing tobacco, but yeah.
0: You know, and yeah. I, I, I I realized that later on that I'd really, it was, it was good at the time. But then once I switched over to peppermint, I was like, no, this is the one that I've been looking for. I just thought the winter green was my favorite, but um. Started with the gum. I don't really know where the gum. It started actually with this. I stopped smoking cigarettes because of my emetophobia. It was making me nauseous. Yeah, so- I, did, I did too. Yep. So I quit smoking cigarettes. And to do that, I looked online, like, what's the best way to quit? I'm a big, like, cold turkey. Just don't fucking do anything. Just quit because that's the best way to do it. And they just Mm -hmm. said, start chewing gum instead. Just it's better for you than cigarettes. And it'll help you kind of be able to do something with your mouth for a little bit. So that's what I did. And then this was right around the time that I was, like, developing the emetophobia. It was getting worse and worse. So I think the gum just was an early on, like, help factor for me. And then I moved Mm -hmm. over to mints because I started getting cavities in my teeth because I was chewing so Mm -hmm. much gum and it just started really fucking my teeth up. And so I started chewing or doing the mints because they at least had sugar and not aspartame. Um, And then I went from the mints to, uh, I've been all over the place. I've had alcoholic bouts of my life. I've smoked a lot of weed in my life. Um, There's a lot of times where I was taking like um, ibuprofen every day because I had a lot of chest pain too, which I think I'm acquiring Mm -hmm. it or I'm I'm, uh, attributing it to a lot of stress in my life, which I'm actually going Mm -hmm. to the doctor on the seventh, my first doctor visit in like over 10 years. Um, And I'm going to go, I had one like a few, like a month back, but they canceled it and I had to reschedule. But going in to get my chest figured out and i also have some pain down in my intestines that i've had for like a like 7 years so i'm just like maybe i should get that looked at uh, every time i go in they just tell me that it's constipation or whenever i ask somebody so i'm like well i'm 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 not constipated anymore so like what's going on here so i need to get some shit figured out but um so honestly, did the peppermint yeah, help
1: soothe your you well you were talking about the things that you did to um to soothe yourself you said you went from gum to peppermints to um to
0: what was the next thing. That was it. I oh, was you so, said right. ibuprofen. Yeah, the ibuprofen. So the ibuprofen would just like help me feel better, I guess. But then I realized like ibuprofen can really mess up your liver over time. So I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. not gonna do that anymore. Now I don't take any pills at all. I'm actually completely straight edge, no caffeine, no sugars, no nothing. Um and yeah, the peppermint really helped. And then once I stopped doing it, I've now realized that like I don't need it anymore. It's really become like such an afterthought where I haven't had a mint in like two months. I've just really tried to quit doing that because it's, I'm realizing that it's a, a crutch in my metaphobia versus something that's actually helping me. It's almost like mm-hmm. if I'm feeling sick, I'll just take a mitt and everything's fine, but it's not actually fine. It's just a band aid for the moment. You know, it's not actually a full on fix for the whole situation. So trying mm-hmm. to get rid of that stuff. Um, let's go. How does a metaphobia affect you like these days?
1: Um, well, the thing about me is, uh, I work really well under like massive amounts of stress. So, uh, like it's, for me, it's either all or nothing. Like, I mean, they're doing like absolutely nothing, or I'm like opening a business and renovating a house and taking care of kids and doing this and getting a new dog. And I mean, there's like a million things going on. Right. And it almost like distracts me. From my stress. That sounds really weird, but it's like the more stress I have, the less stressed out I am until I have a moment to think about it or I have triggers and then it blows up and then Mm -hmm. I'm having to deal with it. So, right now, I mean, I last year uh, renovated my childhood home, which was a huge project. Um, And there's, you know, other stressful components with that now, you know, paying back loans and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I own my own business. I'm, you know, doing 20 people's hair a week, trying to run that by myself, you know, and I have someone renting a space for me and I'm accommodating them. And I'm, and every individual person that comes into me, I'm accommodating their needs and their wants. And, you know, I worry about the things like down to the music, like, is the music right for today? Are my clients going to enjoy jazz or are they going to want to listen to like you know blues or you know you know classic rock or what is the vibe you know so I'm always like just constantly stressing and like worrying about little things that seem really insignificant and um lately it just seems like um like with COVID for instance um when COVID first started I everyone was like oh it's a chest you know it's a chest cold, you know, it could get really bad. Your symptoms are sore throat, congestion, coughing. And I'm like, cool, (laughs) we're good. I mean, you tell me you have the stomach flu within two weeks of being around me and you won't even get near me. Like you don't even think about it. But when COVID happened, I just thought like, I was like, good to go. Like there's nothing to worry about. Um, But now- that it's morphed into this whole new sickness. I mean, people are telling me, Oh my God, I was like vomiting and diarrhea and, and I couldn't breathe. And I was on, you know, every worst case scenario possible. And I'm a little bit, I'd say I'm a little bit more on edge about that now. Um, actually just got over it, but I didn't have that symptom. Thank God. I think there is a higher power actually like (laughs) Like listening to me, I only been yeah. sold my soul to the devil years ago and said, you know, like, please, I'll never, th- if you don't ever make me throw up again, I will do anything you want. Like, I swear, yeah. like, I think been we all
0: that do point. that for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like, I, anything, anything on earth that you need me to do, you just let me know, but don't let that happen. Um, so these days, I just think like I'm so busy that um, it, it's not like an everyday thing, but when I have it, it's really intense um, and I think the last one I had was, I would say Christmas time, actually. So on Christmas Eve, when all my family came over, I was, we made, it was like a soup bar. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I made like potato soup. My mom made, I think my mom actually made chili. Anyway, there was mm-hmm. some, there were some options, right? And cornbread and all the stuff. And so, I was like hungry and i have been cooking, all doing stuff around the house all day. So of course I'm like visiting with my family and I'm like eating this Well, I eat really fast because I'm always on the go. Yeah. So I ate a bunch of soup or chili or whatever and had some cornbread. And then it just like the stress of having everybody at my house. And then like that knot in my stomach, I got that like feeling of like, oh God, mm-hmm. did I eat too much? Or, you know, I might've even drank something carbonated and which makes it worse. And, um, I actually had to remove myself from 20 people at my home in my space, my safe space. And I had to go hide in my bedroom and in my bedroom, having a panic attack, I I didn't even waste time. I immediately took a Zofran and a Xanax. And I said, I'm not doing this. I'm just going to deal with it right now. So I sat in there, I put on my meditation music and I kind of hid from my family. And I just went right into my breathing techniques And I could hear everybody speculating out in the living room, like, where's Samira? What's she up to? Where'd she go? Is she in the kitchen? What's wrong with her? Is she okay? Like, and that hearing that just made it worse and worse and worse. I'm like, oh my gosh, and my kid, my poor kid, he worries about me. And he, you know, he comes in to check on me, mom, are you okay? And it's like, I don't want him to think I'm a sick mom. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want him to be in his psychology class in college and go, what is, what do you remember most about your mom? Well, my mom always laid in bed with peppermint oil and had a heating pad and, you know, was always doing breathing techniques. Like that is like the worst case scenario. Like I do not want my kid to have those memories of me. So on Christmas Eve, everyone was just kind of checking on me and I just had to hold, I had to pull it together, which was really hard and actually go out and do like the white elephant gift exchange and pretend to be normal. Um, while everyone's looking at you and mm. wondering where you've been the last 10 minutes. Um, so it's like ever since then, the last, I'd say the last month has been kind of hard. I've had, uh, quite a few incidences and they're all revolving around food. Yeah. Um, I, and then I got COVID on the 11th, I believe. And my family started getting it on the 7th and then four days later I started getting it. Um, and then of course, you know, you go to your safe foods, like I'm going to eat bagels, dry bagels.
0: Doesn't feel very good though. Does it? I, I, I used to eat, uh, like I, I, you probably heard it, but I, I, I used, I used to eat a lot of English muffins and peanut butter. That was like my only thing I ate for like a year straight. And now that I've switched over to this more vegan style diet, it has been like a total different life, man. It's, it's like with not eating bread at all. Like I don't eat any gluten at all. Um, And it's like, I just noticed how much different my body feels. And like, I noticed now that it was more of a food addiction than it was actually my body wanting something. Cause now when I want something, like, I know what I want and it's always fruit and vegetables. Now it's always like, Oh, I want, I've been eating a lot of oranges for some reason lately. And I think, What I've learned is that you have these, um, uh, like a gut biome that tells you what you want to eat. Like it tells you, Hey, I want to eat this. I want to eat this. But then your brain is also counteracting that as well saying, well, no, I want you to eat chocolate and sugar and salt. I want you to have all this stuff. So now you've got this battle going on in your body for good and bad, and you have to listen to one of them. But when you stop listening to the one in your head and only listen to the one in your stomach, that's when your body starts becoming a lot healthier and you make a lot healthier decisions because like, we're all addicted to food. That's the whole point of food. It's made to be addicting. Like even the bagels you eat are made to be addicting. They're made to be eaten all the time and just, oh yeah, just have a bagel. You know, they're fine, whatever. But in all reality, like those things are not made by earth. They're they're not good for you to eat. And so that's what I, I keep trying to preach this to everybody with a metaphobia to say like. Um, just really think about the stuff you eat on a daily basis, like the safe foods. Cause I used to have my safe foods as well, like crackers and, and goldfish and all that kind of stuff. But then I realized how unhealthy that was for me and how it was actually making me more sick than it was making me feel good. So, um, that's just something that I, I've learned. I've been trying to preach a lot on the podcast, but, um, yeah, I'm going on a lot of uh, tangents today. <laughs> all right, yeah, I, ADHD, I, I, get,
1: I get lost in, <laughs> I get lost in uh, my stories too. Um, so about four years ago, um, I was using nicotine. I wasn't smoking, but I was using like a pen, right. Cause I, yep. I, I kicked smoking when my dad got sick and died. Um, cause I just don't want to smell like cigarettes. And I was really sick then too. Like I was dealing with my stomach issues and emetophobia and, um, anxiety then stressful time. But then four years ago, um, I was using nicotine. I was drinking coffee. I was doing all the things. And then all of a sudden one day, um, my stomach, or my, my son had uh, gotten the stomach flu. He was at his dad's house, but I, we were leaving on a trip to go out of town to San Francisco. And the thought that my son had been sick and around me and me going out of town, I started to panic. The entire trip in San Francisco for like four days, I was supposed to be a really great beginning of summer trip. I felt anxious and nauseous, really nauseous and sick. Um, I cold turkey, quit nicotine which was the absolute worst thing yes, i could have done at that terrible. moment because i'm thinking like oh it'll be great i'll feel better no nicotine but my body i have been smoking since i was 15 16 on and off other than when i was pregnant obviously um and it like i feel like i had way more nicotine in my body from my my little pen than i ever did smoking cigarettes because that thing was oh, yeah. in my sports bra and i would pull that thing out like every 10 seconds and take a little hit off of it, I was like just a walking nicotine stick. Like there was like nothing else in me. So I pulled turkey that and I was so sick, like I was so nauseous. This went on for about eight months. Wow. And I mean, I was 112 pounds. Like I'm five, four or five, five. And I think my healthy weight's probably like 120 to 125. Mm-hmm. 112 pounds. I literally ate nothing but rice cakes for like three quarters of a year. Yeah. I would go through like two bags of rice cakes. I would go and it was like the ones that are like fluffy and light, you know, not the brown rice ones. Um, and I would just like, oh, do I want like the white cheddar or do I want the plain or do I want the one that has a little bit of cinnamon on it? Like whichever, like I lived, I, everything was like, I was just a rice cake. Um, and it made me feel better in the moment because it was, it was just felt really safe. Like if I was to get sick, if I had to throw up, I'd rather throw up rice cake than like strawberries and salad. You I'm know, glad you said uh, that.
0: I, I say the same thing where people don't understand what I'm talking about when I say that, but I'm like, I used to eat crackers and, and English muffins because I wasn't so much afraid of my stomach hurting. I was more afraid of if I got sick, I don't want to like get sick and throw up a bunch of soup or something like that would not be fun. So I'm like, I you don't definitely want it to wanna...
1: look gross. You want right. it to look the yes. least amount of gross possible. Like maybe yes. one. And for me, it's like one color. Like it has mm-hmm. to, I want my, if I was to get sick, I'd want it to be like white, yeah. not like pink or blue or green or whatever other colors are orange Uh, (laughs) so um, like I remember getting sick one time when I was little at my dad's house and I had eaten some oatmeal and banana it was like very bland you know and I got really sick in the bathroom and um, I remember thinking to myself as like a five-year-old a six-year-old that wasn't bad throwing that food up that was and I didn't have the issues I had now I remember not wanting to throw up but when I did I was like oh well if I ever throw up in the future, those should be the things that they need to be. So, yeah, oatmeal, yeah. bland food. Um, but yeah, the rice cakes—I that was a problem. I actually went to a naturopath at that point because I was so frail and ill, and it felt so awful. Um, and I wasn't getting better, and I kept trying different, you know, things. And every time I'd eat it, make me sick. It's like, why am I feeling sick? I'm eating freaking mm-hmm. avocado. It's yeah. not like I'm not eating like sour patch kids and Doritos, you know, like I'm eating something from the earth, like you say. And, um, I went to this lady, did some blood work and all the, you know, fecal tests and all these things. And she just, you know, she's like, well, you're anemic, you're this, you're that. I'm like, well, no kidding. I mean, my vitamin intake was, I don't know how many vitamins are in rice cakes, but there's yeah. probably zero. <laughs> so, much, yeah. um, you know, I was pretty much, I felt like I was dying, but, um, I, with that episode, and I was like, that was probably the worst one for me ever, that, that period of time. Um, one day, I felt good when I would wake up, and that was, was confusing, because I'd wake up from sleep, and I would feel refreshed, like, oh, I feel good. Now I need to eat, because I'm starving, right? Mm-hmm. So then I'd make some food, thinking like, oh, this is safe. And then I'd make it and that would make me feel sick again. So one, this one particular day I had gone to Trader Joe's and I got this like tempeh, which is like a soy curd, kind of like a patty. Right. And I chopped it up and I put some like barbecue sauce on it or something and like fried it in the pan. And it was so good. Like, I mean, like the best tasting thing ever. Mm -hmm. And um, I literally thought I was going to die after I ate that. It was probably the sickest and worst I felt. And I thought to myself, Oh, it's the soy. That's the problem. I'm allergic to soy. And I started thinking about all the gluten-free crackers that I eat that are soy-based and all of the things. And I think at that moment, after being sick for so long, I just needed an excuse to feel better. Mm -hmm. Like I needed somebody to be like, this is why you don't feel good. Stop eating that. So it was like a placebo effect where I just went, it's soy, soy is the problem. So I completely cut soy out. And then I started to feel better, but it turns out it has nothing to do with soy. It wasn't a soy thing because I've been to the allergist and I've done all the tests since then. And I'm not allergic to soy. I'm just insane.
0: I do the same thing, though. That's why I like I'll switch off from random foods all the time where like when I was when I was eating more normal diet, I would have like pizza and I'd have normal stuff and like fried chicken, all that kind of stuff. And I eat it. I feel like shit. My, my heart would start to hurt like my chest. And I think that a lot of that had to do with how much salt was in it. Cause I was eating a lot of mm-hmm. like microwavable meals. Cause they were easy and like fast. I could just make a meal, be done go to work, do what I needed to do. And I think over time I started to realize that that was the problem. And, um, so then I just, I was like, no more salt no more fucking salt i want to get rid of salt <laughs> and like those are my mm-hmm. my little things it's like okay now i think it's sugar so i'm just going to get rid of everything with sugar in it no matter what and like that's and then, exactly what i would do i, I got to say though like i can't say it's a bad thing cuz like nowadays i eat so healthy that like i've never been this healthy in my whole life so it's like i think that the emetophobia has just been pushing me more and more into what i should be eating and getting away from those things that make me feel like shit cuz now i just don't feel like shit it's just that simple like okay. I feel good
1: right but to, what if you go to a wedding okay mm-hmm. and they're serving chicken fettuccine or whatever and it's your best friend's wedding and like you want to participate and there's nothing else to eat and you're like okay I'll eat with everybody else are you going to send yourself into a self-induced emetophobic attack because you're eating something that you haven't been eating in like four months you
0: You know know this happened this happened this last weekend with, with the Chinese food and I did I caved in and I ate it I would have to say though um, in normal situations, I would rather fast because I'm a mm. big proponent of intermittent fasting. Do the 18-6 where you have six-hour eating window, 18 hours of not eating. Um, and I, I actually, um, what am I trying to say here? I'm more efficient when I'm fasting. Like I am hungry, yes. And I'm in a bad mm. mood sometimes. And I definitely like my emotions get to me. It makes me want to eat more chocolate and everything. But I'm more efficient. I work better. I'm more on point, focused, all that kind of stuff. Because, like you said, when you wake up in the morning and you felt good after a night's sleep, right? Then you have breakfast, which they call that breaking the fast because you were fasting Mm -hmm. all night while you slept. And then you get up and you eat. Now your body has to digest food. It takes energy, which makes you tired, makes you not feel so good, especially when you're not eating good food. Um, And that's kind of why I switched over to the more vegan diet. Like if I eat a bunch of blueberries and oranges and bananas, or I have a big smoothie in the morning, I feel a lot less of those problems that most people do if they just got up and ate a big plate of like bacon, eggs and, and sausage, like that shit would annihilate me right now, make me super tired and make me want to go back to sleep. But if I do the fruits and the vegetables, I can get up and I can go out for a walk and I have a lot of energy. I feel great. Drink a tea, like an herbal tea in the morning, no caffeine because the caffeine's another crutch that kind of makes you feel good in the moment. But then as soon as you're done, you kind of crash and then you feel like shit again. So my biggest thing now is sushi. That's the thing I have a weird thing with. I can't stop eating sushi. It's like I'm addicted to it. And so at night before work, it's at like five o'clock at night, I'll eat a big thing of sushi. As soon as I get to work, I want to go take a nap. I'm exhausted. Like I'm tired as hell because I'm not used to eating all the rice and the, um, the crab and all the stuff that's in there. And although it might be a little bit more healthy than most foods, it still makes me exhausted because I'm just not used to eating that kind of shit. But say I went mm. to the uh, I usually go to Meyer, say I go there and I get, you know, a big pound of cherries and a whole thing of oranges and some bananas and just eat a bunch of those. I feel on point. I feel great. Or if I fasted through the whole night and only drank water, because you can live on uh, no food for up to like 30 days, but water you have to have within the next 24 hours. If like you got to have water, that's the thing. And, um, with fasting though, like, yeah, that's my biggest thing is it, it keeps me going. It really gives me a lot more energy than I ever thought it would. And it's not unhealthy to not eat. You just have to be able to regulate what you're doing with it and look into intermittent fasting. If anybody's listening to the podcast, wants to know more about that. Intermittent fasting is a big thing about life that I think we're all miss, you know, misinformed about because they want you to eat three meals a day because that sells food. You know what I mean? So, yeah,
1: I have never been successful with it. Um, I've heard from many people and trainers and this and that, that it is really healthy for you. And, um, and then, you know, breaking the fast, doing something like bone broth or something easy, easy to digest, like a smoothie or whatever. Um, I just like, I have a hard time even remembering my thyroid medication because I I wake up in the morning and I'm hungry, like right when I wake up. And sometimes I'll just go and like, I'm making my son breakfast or, you know, whatever. And I'll have a bite of blueberries or a, a little like handful of granola or something. And then I'll go, shit. Like I was supposed to take my thyroid medication third in within 30 minutes, you know, or, you know, you're supposed to take it and then not eat for at least 30 minutes. Um, and then I just feel like, wow, I just ruined it. You know, like, but I, you know, I'm constantly like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's uh, the fasting thing. It's like, I, I feel like I would forget and then, I would mess up the whole program and well,
0: it's I'm not also, one of those people like, am I? Good, sorry, continue. I'm sorry.
1: I was going to say, I'm not one of those people that can just like, like, Oh, I'm intermittent fasting. And then one day mess it up. And then the next day, go right back to it. Like I, I'm way too OCD for that. Like I have to have like I have to like start my program or my, you know, whatever I'm doing, If it's like not a diet, but if I'm going to do like a whole 30 type, like healthier whole eating or, you know, intermittent fasting or something, or maybe a workout program, like I have to start like on a Monday or the first, like, yeah. and if it's like the fourth and I mess it up, then it's like, Oh God, like now I got to wait for the next month on the first, like, I can't just like start over like normal people.
0: Yeah. So. It's tough too. Um, and I think of it more of, it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle it has to be continuous. Right. Like, and it's okay to fail. Cause I, I mean, I fail all the time. Don't get me wrong. Like all the fucking time I try to do a fast and then halfway through the night I'm sitting in the car on my phone between jobs and I'm just cracking an orange open and start ripping it. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and so I'll just eat it anyway. I'm like, whatever. It's fine. Like I, I broke the fast, but, um, I, yeah, it's, it's in it. I gotta say to like, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I, this is just my own personal research. Um, but I think that if somebody's already eating such a terrible diet of just eating only bread and crackers and stuff every day, maybe fasting is not the best idea. Maybe getting the diet on point first um, is the priority there versus going straight to fasting because I don't think fasting is going to help you if you're not, you don't have any nutrition to begin with. Um, Just wanted to reiterate that because I thought the same thing when I was sick. I was like, I'm going to start fasting and I felt even worse because I'm like, I already don't have any food in me. I should start probably start eating better foods. Um, but anyway, yeah, food's a, a crazy thing. And I've, I've been learning a lot about addiction with food and how it works. And like, you'll, you'll learn about addiction with food when you start fasting, cause you'll know like what you're addicted to and how much your body tries to get you to do it. It's like, oh, just one piece of chocolate. Like, it's not going to kill you, man. You know, you can even like, you, you'll have arguments in your own head with yourself about food over nothing. Cause you're like, or you'll be in town and you'll look over at Burger King or something. And for me, like fast food's a huge problem in my life where I used to eat fast food every day. Like it was a thing that I had cause I was cheap and didn't want to spend all the money on food. And now I don't eat any at all. So it's like, I'll pass a Taco Bell or a Burger King. And I'm like, man, you know, just one quesadilla wouldn't kill me. And then, but it's like, no, I would, it will. And then I get right back into it again. And then tomorrow it's another, oh, well, just, you know, one more day. I'll just have it today. And then today and today, and then now I'm two months in and I've been eating it every single day. So, um, I think the food addiction is one of the biggest problems in this, in this world. And it, it just makes everybody so unhealthy. Um, all right, let's get off food for one second. Let's talk about some therapy for a minute. What, what is, um, mm-hmm your, your therapy situation, how'd you find your therapist? Um, and what would you suggest to somebody who's trying to get into therapy?
1: Um, well, I actually just started seeing, I've, I've seen therapists before for various reasons, like, you know, d- death of a parent or relationship loss, or, you know, friends and problems in high school, whatnot. But this time around, it was more, it started dealing with like a relationship, but then, um, she, the therapist that was, seeing me and the other person was like I think maybe you should go see your own Mm. uh, clearly you two are not getting along so like why don't you go see yours and and this and he sees his um so that's how I found um the girl that I've been going to and I've only been going to her for a few weeks um she's a lot younger than me and at first I was a little skeptical like well what does she know?" know she has a master's degree that's what she knows so like you're gonna you know talk to her So I've been kind of just like, um, talking about relationship stuff the first couple of weeks. But the other day when I went and saw her, uh, I, I didn't even talk about relationships at all. I just went straight into my phobia issues because I wanted to see what she said about it. And, um, it's crazy to me how many people are unaware of this or that think that this phobia is not like a real thing or it's ridiculous. Um, she wasn't that way. She was very helpful and we just, I just, she just let me talk, but um, she asked me a bunch of questions about, like you said, like when it started, like, do you remember any specific incident? Um, And then she did teach me, or she didn't teach me, but she mentioned a technique that you just talked about. um, And I can't remember what it was called. I want to say it was either, this was the technique that she called brain spotting. Or there's another technique, she said, another therapist that she works with does it. But the technique she told me about was where you like hold your finger up in front of your face or like a pen or something. And you stare at the tip of the pen for a minute straight Mm -hmm. and you just focus on it, focus on it. And then you move the pen away and you stare at something right behind it. That's further away and do the same exact thing from a different viewpoint or different perspective um, or depth, I guess. And then you go back after another minute and you stare at the tip of the pen again. And it does something to your brain. We haven't really gotten into it. Uh, We haven't, I haven't tried it yet. Um, But anyway, she said that, you know, try it out, look into it and then, because I I asked her about um, EMDR, um, Mm -hmm. which is like rapid eye movement kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yep. I think.
0: Sounds right. (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
1: You know, like a hypnosis basically, because I've I've gotten to the point, it's like, I will do anything. Like I will hypnotize myself. I have a, a client of mine is a transcendental meditation teacher up in uh, up in the mountains, close to where I live. And she's been trying to get me to do that. Um, that has to do with uh, a s- meditating during a specific sound. Um, mm. It's not like a, a voice or it's just like a, almost like a singing bowl, you know, like, it's just like a, like a, like an ohm sound. Um, so there's that that's been um, recommended to me. Um, the brain spotting thing. I mean, I'm willing to try any of the things the therapist wants to give me. However, uh, I have heard of exposure therapy (laughs) and the thought of exposing myself to the thing that I don't want to be exposed to is like the worst possible. I feel like a therapist would be like, okay, now throw up in this trash can. I'd be like, I'm out of (laughs) here. Like, have a good day. (laughs) Like, there's no way. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Um, And I feel like that would be like my graduation, like that would be my rite of passage, you know, Um, and it's, I just would never be able to get to that point. I might be able to expose myself to images or sounds or jars full of it or, you know, something, but um, I mean, I feel like those are the only options at this point.
0: That's, that's what exposure therapy is. Like, that's what I um, learned when I first started doing it. I got on YouTube, just watched like normal videos. I worked my way up um i i followed a website i don't remember which website this was like years ago when i did this um but it was just a website explaining exposure It wasn't even for emetophobia it was for like fear of heights or something where you like get in an elevator and then you stand in the elevator and then or it's like even to the point where you just look at the elevator and then you walk up to it and look at it closer and then you walk into it and then you walk back out and you walk in and walk back out and then until you're ready and then you stand in it and have somebody hold the door open and then you stand in it long enough. And this is over the course of like months, you know, you get used to going up this elevator and then eventually, so not all like, in one day. No, no, no. <laughs> Could you the imagine being a of...
1: person watching that on video? Like, what <laughs> is this person doing?
0: Right, right. So then you get up to the top of the thing, the top floor, you go out on the roof, you look down, and then eventually you're just like, okay, I'm up here, like it's okay. And it's just yeah. kind of reassuring yourself the whole time that everything's going to be fine. And that's kind of what. Um, exposure therapy was for this, where I started with watching cartoons like Family Guy or South Park and stuff like that. Um, I personally didn't do that, but that's what I've heard people start with. I started with animals. So I just watched like cats and dogs doing it. And then I went to babies. And then I went to like, you know, normal, like people just being sick. And then I went to like the end all boss version where you're looking at people like chugging gallons of milk and like getting really sick. Or there was one I watched where it was people doing uh, beer pong with four locos, which was it said right there, like vomit warning right on the video, like big. So I'm like, all right, this is going to be a going, which it was very uh, traumatic, but after I watched it and then reassured myself, everything was going to be okay. And I wrote stuff down every time it became easier and easier and easier to the, where I was like laughing at the videos. It wasn't even a problem anymore. And now that's to where I'm at now where in real life, it still bothers me. Don't get me wrong. Like it is one of those things that will kind of make me really uneasy, but I'm so much more comfortable with it now. And I can really, I can take that, that panic attack from the seven to 10 minutes down to like 30 seconds. And I'm like, all right, I'm good. Like I'm going to move on. Everything's fine. I'm not nothing's going to affect me at all even if somebody had the flu i could still be okay with that because like didn't come into contact with them it's not like i was breathing in their face or anything like you know they were totally away from me whatever um but i think in my personal opinion again i'm not a doctor or a psychiatrist or anything i think exposure therapy is one of the only ways to get over emetophobia i really do i think that without it you're going to be stuck in this never-ending cycle of being afraid of what of like being afraid of throwing up and then you're going to constantly be in these situations that you don't know how to handle because you're constantly afraid of the situation every time. And it's, it's really hard for us to just be like, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. I'm going to be fine because you are literally like deathly afraid of it. And it's hard to be okay with something that you're deathly afraid of all the time. One more quick story. I got to say there was, I I was listening to Jordan Peterson the other day. He was explaining about back in the day, I, I I'm way off on all these terms, but it was something to do with the Bible and how, um, the, original like snake that's on the cross that's on a medical um like the side of the hospitals and stuff or that snake Mm -hmm. on the cross thing where that came from is um whatever lands they were in at the time there were these snakes that i guess god had brought down on these people to bite them or again i'm so like off on what the story was but there was these snakes and basically what god said was Um, In order to not be afraid of the snakes, you need to craft a metal snake and wrap it around a stick and put it in the middle of town. So everybody gets to see that snake every day and then they won't be afraid of snakes anymore. And that's the whole point is you have to um, face your fears and it doesn't mean to go throw up or anything and be sick. It just means to face it head on and say, this isn't so scary anymore. Like, it's not going to rule my life. It's not going to be the deciding factor of my day. That's really where exposure therapy comes from. But
1: like, okay, so like preventative, like- this is that's all really great like I don't feel sick right now you don't feel sick right now talking about it feels good because we're not feeling ill but what happened what happens like to like tomorrow if you got felt like you were going to get sick and you were faced with actually having to get sick like how would you deal with it in that moment because in that moment it's a totally different mindset like you think you got it all under control but once you're in it then it's like you're it's fast. Like it goes
0: fast. I got to say in that moment, there are times where I eat too much food and like, I do feel really nauseous at night. And I I feel like I'm actually going to be sick sometimes. And it's really nerve wracking, but in the moment I'm able to like, kind of, um, reason with myself. It's all about the the mindset. Like I said, it's instead of being like, Oh my God, I'm going to probably get sick. Like I might get sick. It's, yeah, I might get sick. It's okay. I still got to continue on with life. It's not going to stop me from doing anything. It's just part of my life now. And that's where the exposure therapy comes in because instead of being like deathly afraid of it, I'm now very um, accepting of it to say like, this is just part of my life. Now I'm going to feel sick. Sometimes that's all right. It just happens. It's okay. Like I don't need to freak out and have this never ending cycle of panic attacks. And in the moment, yeah, it is hard. Like I still do get nauseous and I feel you know like scared, but at the same time I'm able to reason with myself. And that's where I think a lot of people have that problem is they can't reason with themselves and say, it's going to be okay. They instantly go into, I'm not going to be okay. And they just can't get that out of their head. And that's, that's the biggest problem I think with, with emetophobia. Yeah
1: i think one of the biggest things for me is like like say you were to take like a few things that were just like really gross to you and like put them on a table right like on a plate Mm um it's one thing to like smell something gross or like look at something gross like just that alone is like really really disgusting now imagine taking like the thing that is like the grossest thing on this planet to you like the most horrific thing you could ever possibly imagine and not only having to smell it and see it but having to have it in your mouth that's the part that gets me is like like if throwing up like came out of a different hole (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know what I'm saying like I could probably like the taste like I just it's all of the things combined and I think that's where I get so caught up because like, I can't even imagine it being in that spot. Mm-hmm. Like having to like, Oh, I just, it's just so bad. It's just so gross to me.
0: No, I hear you. And I, I, I got really hung over on 4th of July last year and had a really bad hangover the next day. And I ended up like dry heaving a lot. And luckily I didn't actually get sick, but just the act of doing that made me really realize like what that feels like again And it just gave me a whole new perspective on getting sick and how like, it's really not as bad as I thought it was. And that was a big eye opener for me to say like, it was traumatic as hell. Like in the moment I was fucking, I was frozen. I couldn't move. Like I was like completely paralyzed, scared out of my mind. But after it was done, I was like, okay, like I'm alive. Everything's fine. I made it through there. Like, didn't die i'm good like and again i didn't actually get sick so like i I, and I that's where i'm at like i almost feel like a um imposter syndrome here because like i'm trying to tell everybody how to cure their emetophobia and be more happy with it but at the end of the day like i still haven't gotten sick either it's been a, like 12 years for me i think now since i've gotten sick it's like actually like thrown up and i was a little kid last time it happened like i was on valentine's day you know so um that's just Eat where i just chocolate. Yeah, I ate way too much chocolate. Yeah, way too much. But I got sick and I felt good. And that's another thing I wanted to say too. It's another, it's kind of a form of exposure therapy, but think about the last time you got sick. And then I
1: do.
0: yeah, right. No, instead of thinking about it as such a negative thing in your brain, think about what happened right after you were sick and how you felt fine. I and how everything was, okay. was living yeah, yeah,
1: I was living in this house. My parents lived here. You know, I, I told you I've lived in the house I grew up in. Um there was a couch out here in the game room. My mom was watching TV. There was, I think a fire was even going. I, I had gone out with my friends. I was 21. Um, I had gone out with my friends and I had eaten Thai food. Um, they were all inside the bar. I stayed inside the car because I just felt kind of nauseous and it just progressively got worse and worse. Got to a point where I came home and, um, I had, my mom wasn't home when I got home, but I asked her, you know, is there anything I can do? And she had mentioned some different things and it didn't work. And then finally I was so nauseous that i made myself throw up. Mm-hmm. Like I was that sick to my stomach where I would rather throw up than feel that way. Uh, and I can't believe I got to that point, but, um, I, I made myself throw up and immediately after, I mean, it was traumatic. Cause I feel like I can't breathe. It tastes bad. Like my head's spinning with all these things. And, you know, it's like, you're, you're so like, just, traumatized by it you you know what i'm saying like oh yeah all the stuff and then um but right afterward i was like oh i feel so much better and it wasn't as bad as i thought it was gonna be
0: yeah now hold on to and that then I, that's the thought that people need to hold on to not the beforehand where you felt sick and where everything that's that's the difference in the mindset because if you can think about how good you felt afterwards, it makes the whole experience into a more positive situation than a negative one. And that's how we can actually, that's like a little mind hack that people use to take any kind of trauma in their life and you can recreate the thought in your mind and then take the good parts out of it and keep those there. Because once you file that back away in your mind, that positive part stays and the negative part starts to fade away over time. And the more you do that, the more you can take negative thoughts and actually change them. It's there's some brain scientist on impact theory on YouTube that was explaining how you can do this basically before you go to bed. You can basically like go through your files in your head and pick out the the most traumatic things that have happened in your life and recreate them and think about a small part of it. So maybe like what color the dude's shirt was in the situation or like where what restaurant you were at, or what. I don't know what kind of shoes you were wearing, like put yourself in the actual situation, look down at your shoes in the thought, and then remember that moment. And that kind of takes away from the negative side of the the thought versus the positive. So you can really focus in on the positive sides of things versus negatives. I think it's a big part of what I've been doing over the last few years to kind of like hack that part of my mind into a more positive way of thinking. So Mm
1: -hmm. some advice. Another another thing that um, kind of goes around in my brain um, with this issue is you know, I feel like I'm a healthy person. You know, I, I do avoid it. I do avoid a lot of life things because I don't want to ever get sick, um, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with being on land, and I'm okay with not flying to different countries and 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 drinking and doing all the things that um, other people do. Um, it's kept me from being sick. But with the comfort of knowing I'm not getting sick, there's also this discomfort with the fact that, like, well, that can't last forever. And I might throw up another time in my life. And when's that going to be? I don't like not knowing, you know, and is it, it's been 20 years is, is, you know, is there going to be, is it going to be another 10 years? Is it going to be 20 years? And, um, and here's another really big, really big issue for me is, um, cancer. Uh, my dad died from cancer, people have cancer everywhere, Mm. all over the place. It seems like everyone dies from that. Well, unfortunately, when you get cancer and you do chemo, you are sick all the time. Yeah. And there is no worse way I can think of leading my life and like spending my last days than like being sick. Like, I'd be like, just, just kill me. Like straight up (laughs) assisted suicide. Like, just take me out. Like, there's no way I'm not doing it. I'm not going to spend the last days of my life throwing up. Yeah. Um, And so that really scares me because, you know, I feel like now with that fear, I'm constantly thinking about dying now, constantly thinking about, um, what if I get this disease or what if, you know, this kind of cancer and that kind of cancer, what if, you know, they don't just offer radiation. I have to do chemo, like, you know, and I feel like I'm almost making myself, like, I'm going to make myself sick, you know, I
0: gotta, I gotta say, this is why I preach diet so much. This is, this is the exact reason because I'm afraid of cancer too. My grandpa died of cancer. A lot of my family has had cancer. Um, it's terrifying. I, I know what you mean with the chemotherapy thing. I'm, I'm definitely afraid of that. With a proper diet, drinking enough water and getting enough sleep, and we'll add exercise onto that as well. Being a normal human being, there's such a low chance of getting cancer if you just eat fruits and vegetables, keep on that vegetarian, vegan style life, and don't eat negative energy type foods that have a lot of cancer ridden carcinogenic things in them. And it's one of the things that keeps me going on this, on this, I guess I'd say lifestyle, not a diet. It's a lifestyle now. Um, Eating so many fruits and vegetables every day. I watched a documentary about a guy who beat cancer just by juicing. That's a, a, he just juiced fruits and vegetables every day. And he, he, Reversed his cancer, and not only that, but he reversed a lot of the other health effects that he was having. He was overweight, he was obese, had a lot of problems uh, with diabetes and a lot of other things. With this diet, he reversed all of that. Got a, all of his medications. He he got rid of eczema from it. Like everything he was doing that was was his food that we, he was eating. That's what was contributing to all of his health effects. And it was just that simple. He's like, dude, if we just eat a proper diet of fruits and vegetables and like things that come from the earth, our beans, our our nuts, all that kind of stuff there's such a low chance of getting cancer because none of that gives you cancer. It's just that simple. Like maybe, um, you know, carcinogens from cars and the exhaust, maybe that can give you cancer or uh, being around people who are smoking cigarettes, all that stuff. Yes. That's still scary stuff, but trying to keep yourself away from that stuff and being as, you know, positive with the lifestyle choices that you make, Keep you going on in this more positive lifestyle where you're you have such a less chance of getting cancer. That's that's my mindset on it. And that's why I keep preaching it so much, because at the end of the day, what I keep hearing everybody say is either pay now or pay later. So it's like you can either pay now and you can pay a little bit more for some good organic food and, and have a good lifestyle and might be a little bit annoying and not so much fun compared to eating Cheetos and ice cream every day. But you can do it that pay now or you can pay later when you're in the hospital going through chemo and having the worst time in your life. That's my whole thought. Mm-hmm. That's the scariest part for me that I've had to think about every day. And I've been trying to preach that to everybody around me because it's, it's just scary shit. Like The, the, mm-hmm. the health um, industry is called an industry, like I say, for a reason, because they're trying to make money off of you. And healthy people, that light keeps turning off here, healthy people do not make them money. It's just that simple. Like if you're a healthy person, you're not going to the doctor. You're not going to get medications. You're not going to get any kind of help from anybody. So Mm -hmm. you're then not creating any sort of profit for them. And that's where you have to think, is it malicious? That's, that's what I don't like about that situation. So Mm
1: -hmm. I think
0: it's up to us to take care of ourselves at this point because nobody else is going to do it for us anymore. Like they're in it for the profits, not for the health. Yeah. So that's what I got to say about it for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: But we are like an hour and where are we at? hour and 23 minutes. Um, we got, I'm going to go to an hour and a half here. So, um, I got a couple more little things. Let's, uh, where do you see yourself in 10 years?
1: Uh, God, I, I don't know. Um, well, I see myself being healthier. I mean, I definitely want to, to get all of this under control. Um, I would want to be anxiety free. That's where I want to be. I know what house I'm going to live in. I know what job I'm going to be doing. You know, um, but um, that's that's basically it. I want to. I've, I mean, I've been eating really healthy for years, and you know, obviously, I don't use any drugs or alcohol or nicotine or any of that. I'm very I'm straight edge as well, but not not like a straight edge like it used to be. You know, just yeah, <laughs> just straight edge, um, and. I, I just want to be in my best shape and anxiety free and just really healthy and confident that I'm not going to die because I just turned 40. And I feel like with all these things that we've talked about, this is like, this year has been the worst because I'm not in my thirties anymore. My next milestone is 50. And for me, it feels like 40, then 50, then die. Like in, you know, you know, I had a dad and he died at 64. My mom's still alive and she's healthy and all, but, um, I just feel like what's, what's next, what's the point, you know? And I just don't want to feel that way. Like, I want to feel like 80 is my goal, not 65. Yeah. So I think just being healthy-minded, healthy minded healthy in my body, that would be, that would be my main goal in 10 years or in one it year. Is-
0: There's no reason why you can't get there. You're already on a really good path here. You already have the right mindset. Everything's going the right way for you here. So just keep doing it. That's really it. Like Mm -hmm. keep it, keep it going. That's the biggest part. I don't want to have
1: to take a medication. I don't want to have to take Xanax or boost bar or whatever it is to help me deal with. it. I just want to be free. I want to go and I do. I want to go to like Ireland or Bali. Um, I could live the rest of my life and not do it, but. I see people doing it and it's so cool. And you know, there's that being trapped on an airplane thing. And what if the person next to me throws up? So, you know, those are my goals to yeah. be able to just buy a plane ticket and fly to Europe.
0: Yeah. I'm in the same boat. Like we want to do the van life for a couple, three years or so, have a child. And then once I have the kid, I want to eventually upgrade to a full school bus and build that down into like a small apartment or a box truck, something like that. And homeschool my child. Cause I really don't trust the fucking school system i'm not gonna lie and no, i don't blame uh, you i want to be able to travel and show my kid what the world looks like and then be able to go to other countries oops hold on a second uh-huh. I'm so sorry about that. Are you still there? Sure. Yeah. Sorry, I had, a, I had a phone call and it like, there we go. Okay, good. Um, what was I just talking about? Oh, I want to be able to take my kid around and be able to visit uh, everywhere and just be able to see the world and have a good time. And um, I'm glad that I figured this stuff out so early in my life. And I think the biggest con- contribution to this was a lot of podcasts, just listening to like healthy living podcasts. One that I always like to... Um, tell people to subscribe to is uh, a plant-based riot is what it's called. So like a plant-based diet, but it's a plant-based riot. And they basically explain to you how like the government's not in it for you. They're not in it for any sort of health. Like you got to take care of yourself, grow your own vegetables, learn how to uh, take care of yourself with this kind of stuff. And uh, that's, what's really changed my mind over the last couple of years is those dudes talking. Cause one's like a Harvard guy who works at Harvard another dudes like this organic um, farmer who's in California lives down where like Humboldt County area does a lot of farming down there. And, uh, and there's another guy who's like, uh, he's, I don't know if, what exactly he is, but he's trying to be a vegan type dude. So he's just learning from these other two guys and they're all just kind of talking about this stuff all the time. And he's like the question guy. The other two guys are like the experts and they just explain how like, it's just a bunch of bullshit basically. And that you need to take care of yourself. That one, that particular podcast has what, that's what really put me over the edge here to get me into this new lifestyle. So
1: mm-hmm. I always
0: like to say that to people, where can people find you at?
1: Where can they find me? Like if they want to reach out to me and talk to me and ask me yeah. questions.
0: Yeah. Wherever you want to show. Well,
1: um, so I have two Instagram accounts, um, whichever one uh, is, you know, whatever one they want to reach out to. Uh, my personal one is Xandra Samira, um, X-A-N-D-R-A-S-E-M-I-R-A. um, And then I do hair. So I have my hair page and people can ask me questions, reach out to me. Um, my hair page is Redding Hair. I live in Redding, California. So close to Humboldt. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I love to help people. And uh, I just think, you know, if anybody has any questions, I'm more than willing to answer them. I'm very seasoned <laughs> in this problem. Um, I might not know all the answers yet. But um, I definitely know that when I started, like, actually researching and seeing how many people were out there that uh, had the same issues... Mm-hmm. um the same like uh resolutions i guess the same things in their kit <laughs> that's when i started to realize oh like it it really helps to talk about it it helps to reach out and and all that so
0: yeah very nice hate to cut it short um i gotta go to work here in just a little bit but we no, should definitely good. do a, a, we got to do a part two to this one for sure this was a good podcast so i enjoyed it yeah
1: uh, Maybe I can, uh, we can do one while I'm in the middle of an attack. See how Yes. It
0: goes. Hey, that'd be great. I never thought about that before. We'll just kind of talk through it. Then, see where, see where yeah. you're at.
1: And then people can see what like the thoughts are actually going on in my head at the moment. It probably isn't going to sound very uh, appealing, but it'd okay. be really weird.
0: No, I think Maybe that'd be good for people who, people who don't have a metaphobia to be able to hear that for once, to be like, this is what's actually going on in your head during it. It's really interesting.
1: Well, you know, be all, I'm going to close on this. Um, I've been in relationships with people. Like when I was pregnant, my boyfriend at the time, um, I was really sick when I was pregnant mm. and he was such a jerk. Like he did not understand. He's like, that is just such a weird thing to be afraid of. Like, just go do it. Yeah. It's not a big deal. And I've had nurses tell me like, well, what's the worst thing that could happen if you actually threw up? And I'm like... But anyway, I, my mom has known that I have this fear or issue for a long time. And the other day after talking to you, I was like, mom, look, I'm going to send you these like things from his page and you've got to just check it out, look at it. And she is just like, what the hell? Like, I cannot even believe, like, how do people even end up with these like same little quirky like resolutions to this? And I'm like, I don't know, just like they figure it out on their own but there she goes it's really interesting so now my mom's actually doing research on it it's like almost like she hasn't believed me for 40 years yeah so i'm like well i've been trying to tell everybody that this is like a real thing but no one's you
0: know. so i'm excited
1: for people around me and my family and like people understand like hey, i actually have in- information about this it's not just like some weird thing that i have
0: yeah it's getting more and more out there for sure the awareness is becoming there's like I want to say I, I don't know the exact numbers but last time i heard there was like 1.3 million people uh in the united states that had emetophobia so i think it's that's just who says they have it so there's probably double or triple that who don't even know they have it yet so mm-hmm. so that's insane but
1: yeah okay well have a good night at work and uh uh yeah let me yeah. know what the next thing is
0: awesome it was really nice having you on thank you so much
1: yeah yeah no problem bye bye
0: Hell yeah, guys. That was an awesome episode. If you want to find her, she's over on Instagram at Zandra Samira. So it's um, X-A-N-D-R-A-S-E-M-I-R-A. It's over on Instagram. If you want to find me, you can go over to Instagram and search up The Emetophobia Podcast, or you can send me an email at The Emetophobia at gmail.com. Please, if you like this episode, uh, really helps to go down and give me a rating and review the podcast. Uh, just give me some kind words, give me some criticism, whatever you like to, to show down there. And, uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Peace out.